Why bother the rabbi any longer? Ignoring what they had said, Yeshua told the synagogue official, don't be afraid. Just keep trusting. Just keep believing. Have faith. And if you continue to read in the book of Mark, what you see taking place is that this child is raised from the dead. How powerful and awesome. But in the natural, how can you raise someone from the dead? Yeshua did it all the time. And then when it is speaking to us, don't let your natural circumstances deter your faith in the promises of God. What do you mean the promises of God? I mean, anything that he has written in his scriptures is a promise for your life and my life. And the natural circumstances cannot deter us from believing in what God declares in his word. And neither can the spiritual forces of darkness deter us from believing what God says in our words. This man here in this story in Mark was not influenced by the circumstances, just like Abraham was not. His daughter was dead, but he chose to keep trusting. He chose to keep walking in faith, and his daughter was brought back to life. Isn't that powerful? Do you understand that? I mean, again, we read through these stories, and we think, friends, we have to rise up and stir ourselves up in faith. That's why we're doing this series on the heroes of faith, because I'm going to tell you, I think there's a lot of doubt and unbelief in the world today, and I mean among us as believers. And God wants to challenge us to believe that, yes, the dead can be raised. Yes, God can move in power and mind and demonstrate in signs and wonders today in Beth Emanuel on Long Island, New York in 2017, just like he did in the New Covenant Scriptures and in the Tanakh. But we have to make a choice like Abraham did, like the synagogue ruler did, like Daniel did, to continue to stand in faith even when nothing is happening or even when things get worse. You can't get any worse than dead. Correct? So here this father is. He came while the daughter was sick. She was still alive when he left home. And he gets the news. She's dead. How worse can it get? But he listened to Yeshua's words. And Yeshua is speaking to you and me today and to many listening on the podcast. And he is saying, ignore that. Don't be afraid. Just have faith in me. Ignore what the enemy may be speaking in your ear. Ignore what you see with your natural eyes. Just keep believing. Trust in me, Yeshua is saying. Over and over again in the scripture, we can see this pattern among the men and women of faith. Obstacles and challenge sought to deter them from believing in the promises of God for their lives. But they rose above those circumstances, and their faith was rewarded. I want to encourage you today. I know this is a word from the Lord. I know this whole series is from God. Don't let your faith be challenged by obstacles or circumstances that would tell you there's no hope. Abraham hoped against hope. In other words, against the natural odds, his faith hoped. Listen to this illustration. Her eyes saw the leafless trees in winter, but because her mind was clouded by Alzheimer's disease, she thought the trees were dead. Someone should cut down these trees, she would repeat day after day, because they aren't coming back. How often we see our leafless circumstances 
with a mind clouded by past experience and by disappointment. We may look at a friendship, a marriage, a family feud, and say to ourselves, cut it down, sever the tie, make the break, it's hopeless. But God wants us to see with hope because of his presence and power. We can't bring life to those seemingly impossible situations, but he can. Say God can. What leafless, lifeless situation do you see today in your life? Don't believe everything your mind tells you about it. Instead, ask God for eyes of faith so that you can see with hope against the odds. Amen? And we look at verses 19 and 20, we see that Abraham's faith did not waver. In other words, it did not weaken. Literally, when we translate this from the Greek, it says, Abraham did not doubt the promise of God for a son or an heir by unbelief. Again, in the natural, there was every reason to give up on the promise. But that was not the choice that Abraham made. And the essence of this concept of wavering means to be flipping back and forth. And sometimes that's how we are in our faith. One day we believe and the next day we're not sure. And we allow doubt and unbelief to captivate our hearts and our spirits. And what does Yaakov tell us about the doubter? Look with me in Yaakov, James chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. The doubter is like a wave in the sea, being tossed and driven by the wind. Indeed, that person should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord because he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The Greek word used here is diakrino, and one writer explains that the idea of this is that Abraham was not divided. In other words, he did not vacillate between two opinions, between belief and unbelief, or between faith and doubt like many believers do. When from the human point things are going well, it's easy to trust God. But when things seem impossible, it is often easier to not trust him. The writer of this article went on to say, don't misunderstand, a struggling faith is not necessarily a doubting faith. Any more than temptation to sin is not actually sin. Tests of our faith are designed to strengthen our faith, not to strip us of faith. Abraham was tested a few times. His faith grew as a result. So if you are being tested and struggling in your faith, don't be discouraged, but make a choice like Abraham did to rise above that struggle and to continue to walk in faith. Verse 19, some translations say that he did not waver in unbelief, and this word for unbelief describes an unwillingness. Say that word with me, an unwillingness. Let's try that again. Unwillingness. So unbelief is an unwillingness to commit oneself to another or respond positively to others' words or action. So how does that translate for us when it comes to this arena of faith and the promises of God and God in our life? Often we walk in unbelief because we are unwilling to commit ourselves to what God said in our life. And so often, that's when we will say, well, if God wills, because we don't want to commit ourselves, because what if things don't happen? 
So unbelief is that unwillingness to commit ourselves to the words of another. That's okay. You don't have to commit yourself to my words because I'm just flesh and blood. But we're talking about committing ourselves to the words of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the entire universe, who spoke and this whole world came into existence. If I cannot commit myself to him and his words, then who can I commit myself to? So Abraham did not waver in unbelief. He made a choice to commit himself fully to God and to his promises, again, in spite of what he saw in, 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 the, in the natural and with his natural eyes. And we need to have that same attitude. It had been many, many years for Abraham since the promise had been made. In fact, I believe the, if you count the years, it was almost 25 years later from the day the promise was made before Isaac was born. And he made a choice not to give in to unbelief. It says his faith hoped against the odds. Hope, biblical hope, is not wishful thinking. Biblical hope is linked to faith. In fact, they overlap each other. We as a Jewish congregation should be uh, familiar with the biblical word for hope. It's the name of the national anthem of Israel, which is what? Hatikva, the hope. So biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It's the word that is used in Isaiah when it says that they that wait upon the Lord, they that hope in the Lord, shall renew their strength. And that whole uh, sense there is waiting with an expectation that something is going to happen. So when it says that Abraham hoped, he wasn't just wishfully thinking, okay, maybe something's going to happen here. No, no, no. He had an expectation in his heart that God was going to do what he said he was going to do, and that hope combined with his faith to receive the promised child, Isaac, into his life. One writer said, hope, like an anchor, is fixed on the unseen. That's powerful, right? Hope, like an anchor, is fixed on the unseen. I know at the beginning of the year, God spoke to my heart the word hope, and it's been in the back of my mind. I've not done it yet, and maybe you'll benefit from this, but to do a study on the word hope. It just was continually in my mind for several, several weeks. But just looking again, preparing for this message, just encourage hope like an anchor is fixed on the unseen. God is the unseen, and the unseen is more powerful than what you see with your natural eyes. And we've said it before, in this room, even right now, there is much more happening in this room than what you see with your natural eyes. And I can tell you right now that there are forces of darkness fighting against this word because it doesn't want you to receive this word. It doesn't want it to go into your heart and take root because it does not want you to walk in faith. Because men and women of faith are dangerous. Can I say it again? Men and women of faith are dangerous. And the enemy doesn't want you to walk in faith, but God does. And God is encouraging you and me in this congregation that today is the day. Now is the faith is, right? Hebrews 11 says, now faith is. And God wants us to rise up now. And he wants to stir ourselves up in the area of our faith to cast off doubt and unbelief and say, God, I choose today. 
I choose to have faith. I choose to hope against hope, God. Can you say that with me today? I choose to have faith. I choose to hope against hope. And verse 20 tells us that he didn't go against the promise of God by giving in to unbelief. That tells us that when we give in to doubt, we are taking a stand against God and his promise for our lives. I don't want to stand against God personally. I don't know about you. I don't want to stand against God, and I don't want to stand against his word. So when doubt tries to creep into my heart and into your heart, we can't give in to it. We need to cry out to Adonai as the man did when Yeshua came to him and said, God, I believe, help my unbelief. Help my struggle. Again, the struggle is not giving in. So God, I believe, but help my struggle with unbelief because I want to receive your promises. I want to be dangerous to the world of darkness because I'm a woman of faith. I'm a man of faith. And finally, verse 21 and verse 17, Abraham's faith was convinced that God would do, not could, but would do what he had promised. Verse 17 tells us that he knew God was the one that gives life to the dead and calls non-existent things into existence. As one writer said, he is the God who makes dead things live who takes things that were once alive, vibrant, and full of life, but have died and become hopeless and brings them to life again. He is the God who calls things that are not as though they are. He calls into existence the things that do not exist because God alone can make dead things to live. There are areas in each of our lives that are dead. But I'm going to tell you today, God wants to speak life to it. And he's going to call upon you to walk in faith in that area, okay? It may be relationship, it may be your marriage is struggling, it may be finances, it may be health, it may be a loved one. I don't know what it is for you, but I want to tell you that what is dead, God wants to speak life to today. And like Abraham, you need to believe that he can. And not that he can, but that he is going to. David Stern points out in his commentary on the New Covenant that the fact that God quickens the dead is a major tenet in Judaism. In other words, even though modern Judaism may not give credence to it, it's in our Amidah, which is read every week in the synagogue, in the traditional Amidah, and people may not even give thought to what they're reading. It says, you are mighty forever, Adonai. You cause the dead to live. You are great to save. This is in the Amidah. Open up any prayer book and you're going to see this in here. With loving kindness, you sustain the living. With great mercy, you cause the dead to live, support the fallen, heal the sick, free the bound, and keep faith with those who sleep in the dust. Who is like you, master of mighty deeds? Who resembles you, O king? You cause death, you cause life, and you cause salvation to sprout forth so that you can be trusted to cause the dead to live. It's part of the Tanakh. It's part of the New Covenant. It's part of the tenet of faith of even Judaism. 
biblical Judaism. Craig Keener in his commentary said, faith as defined in Abraham's experience is not passive assent to what God says. It is an enduring dependence on God's promise on which one stakes one's life and lives accordingly. Do you see what he's saying? Faith is does not lip service. Okay, God, I believe. And we say that, I believe, I believe, I believe. But he says faith, as defined by what Abraham did, is where you stake your entire life and you live accordingly to the fact of what you believe. That's why Abraham received the promised child. So faith should actively be seen in the way we live our lives. In other words, yes, in our words that we proclaim the truth, but also in our actions. It's not just an intellectual assent to biblical truth. Again, it's not just saying, oh, I believe. We know the scriptures tell us the demons believe. What good does it do them, right? But biblical faith, faith that hopes against the odds like Abraham, is a faith that steps out into the unknown, believing that God will fulfill his word in his time. It is a faith that is focused on God, Abraham didn't trust himself or his own abilities. He wasn't thinking, okay, my body and Sarah's body is going to produce this child. He knew they couldn't. But he was focused on God, who calls those things that are not as though they were, and who gives life to the dead. And he knew that God was going to give life to the deadness of his wife's womb and to the deadness of his own body, and that's why he received the promise. You and I need to activate our faith in the same way as Abraham. We need to be fully convinced that God is both able and willing to do what he has spoken in his word. And we need to focus not on our wise plans, not on our great abilities, but he's going to tell you right now, your plans and my plans, your abilities and my abilities, roll them all up together in this room, and they're going to do diddly squat. But faith in the God who calls dead things to life will accomplish far more than you or I could ask or imagine. And that's what God is calling us to walk in today. It's a God, it is God alone who can fulfill his word. But our part is to be fully convinced that he will do it. We must know that Adonai always, say always, he always does what he says. Let us not be guilty of saying through our actions that our God is too small for our situation. We need to not just grab hold of the promise, but we need to have this conviction in our heart of hearts that God is the one who will fulfill those promises. Being fully convinced, no matter, again, what we see with our eyes, no matter what we feel in the spiritual realm as we're praying and pressing into God, we need to be fully convinced that he is going to do it. We are told in the Torah that God is not a man that he should lie. We are also reminded of his faithfulness when he says, not one of the good promises that he made to Israel ever, ever failed. He is the same God today as he was in the Torah and the Tanakh, as he was in the New Covenant when the 
rich ruler came, synagogue ruler came for his daughter. He's the same God we serve today. <clears throat> and he's looking for men and women who will stand up and say, I believe God. I believe not just with my words, but I believe with my life. And I'm going to live according to what I believe. I believe you are my healer. I believe you are my redeemer. I believe you are the one who can restore my child. I believe you're the one who can bring salvation. I believe you are able to take that which is dead and bring life to it. Today, God. We must grab hold of this truth. God is able. We have shared this recently in our Words for the Week emails and messages. But I want us to declare this together. Nothing is impossible with God. Together, nothing is impossible with God. Friends, that's what Abraham was convinced of. Nothing is impossible with God. And once again, I've said it many, many times in this message, he received the promise. When you and I get to that point where we know that we know in our heart of hearts and we live like we know that, that nothing is impossible with God, you're going to start to see things change in your situation, in your circumstance, in your life, in the world around us. When we do not trust in God, we do not walk in faith, it leads to frustration and confusion. So if you're frustrated right now with your life, if you're walking around confused, part of your problem may be that you have given in to doubt and unbelief. Today, God is looking for men and women who will choose to believe, who, like Abraham, will have faith that hopes against the odds, because he is a God who wants to demonstrate his power and might. He wants to call those non-existent things into existence in your life, in this congregation, on this island, in the world today. Will you and I be a man and woman who will say, God, Hineni, I am here, I believe, and I will live like I believe. Let's stand to our feet. Hashem, we thank you for your word to us today. And God, we say we believe, help our unbelief. I pray that each one of us today, whatever our is going on in our lives, Lord, what's going on in the congregation within the world around us, that we would be fully convinced like Abraham was that you are the God who brings life to dead things. And God, I pray, Lord, that in the days and weeks ahead as we step out in faith, as we activate our faith, God, that we will begin to see one situation after another changed by your power and your might as you fulfill your word for each one of us, God, and for this congregation. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. In Yeshua's name, amen. I want to close with the ironic benediction. I want to again invite you to uh, join us upstairs for bagels and birthday cake. And again, our visitors, we welcome you here. Uh, we want to encourage you to go to the front of the line, and we'll have someone try to make sure that you do get there. There's a table reserved for visitors you, so you can sit with my husband and I. We can speak and talk to you and you can ask us any questions you might have about the congregation. 
I want to say uh, thank you to Moses and Tiffany today who provided the bagels for our bagel oneg. So we appreciate that. And uh, again, we're going to close with the Ironic Benediction, and we can make our way up and have an afternoon of fellowship and uh, bagels and coffee and, and, and birthday cake and experiencing the goodness of the Lord and encouraging each other uh, to walk in faith uh, in the God who is more than able. Amen. So if you stretch your hand out, we're going to recite the benediction at this moment. Amen. Yevarecha Adonai v'yishmerecha, may Adonai bless you and keep you. Yeher Adonai panavaleka v'yikuneka, may Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. Yisa Adonai panavaleka v'yisim l'cha shalom, may Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. May you walk in the peace of Adonai, may you walk in great faith. In Yeshua's name, amen.